1: Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along podcast, and I have a treat for you. When I was a little kid, and my mother wanted to know what kind of birthday cake I wanted, my answer was always the same. I wanted a spice cake with panucci frosting. For those of you not familiar with those things, sometimes a spice cake is also an applesauce cake, It can have the applesauce in it or not, and flavor is pretty much the same, but the applesauce can be a little bit moister. And a panucci frosting, panucci is a kind of brown sugar fudge that usually has pecans in it, sometimes walnuts. It's very rich, and when my mother used to make the frosting for me, I'm not sure where she got it. It's highly possible it was somewhere in Betty Crocker. But it was like candy. It was like, oh, that sounds terrible. But I mean, it was like fudge in that it was dense and not quite hard, but not creamy in any way. Kind of like fudge. It was the consistency of homemade fudge, but it was brown sugar flavor. And for whatever reason, I loved that. I haven't had it probably since I was 18. But I still have a fondness for a spice cake, which usually has cinnamon and nutmeg and cloves and ginger, sort of your general like pumpkin pie kinds of flavors, which is always a winner with me. I like those warm, comforting, somehow magical seasonings for both breakfast and dessert. So, what I found the other day is an applesauce spice cake with brown sugar icing that comes from America's Test Kitchen. I have come to trust America's Test Kitchen to come up with really good recipes that are not beyond the skills of a home cook. They spend a lot of time developing them from other recipes that they find to make it as easy as possible and maintain the best texture and the best taste. And so I really like what they do. America's Test Kitchen's sister magazines are Cook's Country and Cook's Illustrated. I feel the same way about those, but I think America's Test Kitchen might be my favorite. Rather than being the two-layer cake that my mother used to make me with that fudge candy textured frosting, this cake is a single layer in a 13 by 9 inch pan. And the frosting isn't quite a panucci. You would make the panucci with brown sugar and butter and lots and lots of powdered sugar to kind of thicken it up. And then my mother must have had a devil of a time trying to get it onto the cake without it tearing the cake to pieces. This one is creamier, smoother, gooier, and just really nummy. I like this recipe a whole lot, so I really wanted to share it with you. The frosting is kind of caramely and vanilla-y and just nice. You could use a cream cheese frosting or something on this if you want, or just glaze it. It's probably good enough to eat without any frosting at all, but the frosting is truly the crown here. It just makes this cake into something quite irresistible. It just hardens a little bit, just enough to keep it from running. Most applesauce cakes have a sort of token amount of applesauce in them. This one has quite a lot, and it doesn't necessarily make the cake apple flavored, but it absolutely makes it very moist and quite lovely. This is very easy to make. You just stir it together and put it in the oven. And then the topping takes a little more work, but not a lot. That also is pretty much stirred together. We just have to use a stovetop to do it. Ingredients. Two and a half cups of all-purpose flour. Two teaspoons of baking powder. One teaspoon of baking soda. Two teaspoons of ground cinnamon. One teaspoon of table salt. So that's not kosher. It won't be salty enough. One teaspoon of ground ginger, a half teaspoon of ground nutmeg, a half teaspoon of ground cloves, a whopping two cups of applesauce. So that's a can and a little. You can probably get by with a can. If you get it in a jar, that'll be easier because usually they're a little bigger than two cups. 16 tablespoons of unsalted butter, that is two cubes of unsalted butter, a cup of light brown sugar. I don't have light brown sugar in my house, so we're using dark brown sugar. This is still all the cake, all right? Two eggs and a tablespoon of vanilla extract, a tablespoon. See, most cakes are going to have you put in a teaspoon. This is something that actually makes a difference. So then for the topping after that, you're going to need another cup of light brown sugar. And again, I only have dark brown sugar and that's what I have used in this. And it's wonderful. You need another six tablespoons of unsalted butter. So that's almost another whole cube. No, I did not say this recipe was good for you. A quarter of a cup of heavy cream. That's heavy whipping cream. A half teaspoon of table salt three quarters of a cup of confectioner's sugar or powdered sugar, a half teaspoon of vanilla extract, and then a cup of toasted and chopped pecans. Your equipment is a 13 by 9 inch baking pan and some cooking spray, a whisk, two if you have them, a large bowl, a rubber spatula, toothpick or two, a wire rack, a medium saucepan, and your do-aheads are these. Before you preheat your oven, you're going to move one of the oven racks to the middle so that it's in the center of the oven, and then you're going to spray your baking pan with vegetable oil spray, your unsalted butter, the ones for the cake, that's that two sticks one, you're gonna melt them either on a stove or in a microwave and set it out to cool a little bit. We don't want it really hot, but we don't want it solid again. And then for the frosting, the icing, I don't know what the difference of those is, but this is specifically called applesauce spice cake with brown sugar icing, not frosting. We're supposed to sift the confectioner's sugar when we're making the topping. I think I'll just deal with that when we get there. If you're using the pecans, which I do highly recommend, either you can buy a bag that is already chopped and toasted from Trader Joe's or perhaps from somebody else. I know Trader Joe's has them and that's what I'm using today. Or you need to get your pecans out and toast them a little bit on the stove top or in the oven. Just watch them really carefully. Put them at 300 degrees for just a few minutes. Or on the stovetop, you just stir them around till they toast a little. And then chop them up so they're all ready to go on the cake. Everyone I have served this cake to, which includes my kids and also, in fact, my mother, loved this cake. It's really irresistible. I think that everyone finds some kind of home, old home, in this recipe. Oh, one more piece of equipment, a medium bowl. Let's start out by using that medium bowl. Into there, we're gonna put the flour, which we're measuring Cindy's favorite way. aerate the flour, stir it up really nicely so that it's not compacted down, and then scoop it into the measuring cup. Two and a half cups, and if you wanna do this by weight, it's 12 and a half ounces. Sometimes I cook by weight now because it's so highly recommended by so many cooks. It's still easier for me to just do it by the cup measure. That was my half cup. I know that it makes a difference. That on the scale, it's much more precise. And someday I'm sure I will be a complete convert and go over to doing that every time. But right now I'm still doing it by the cup and that is my second cup of flour. And into that same bowl, we're gonna put two teaspoons of baking
2: powder and
1: one teaspoon of baking soda. I keep my baking soda and my baking powder in old ice cream jars, or actually they're gelato jars. There's this stuff called talenti gelato. They are clear plastic jars. With brown plastic lids. They are a perfect size. They were a pint when I had them as ice cream, and I never can throw them out. I just keep them because I think they look useful, and then they become incredibly useful for leftovers, but also for all the ingredients in my kitchen. I can always put them into a Talenti jar. They're airtight, and you can see what's in there. I recommend them if you don't mind eating the gelato first. They make great storage containers. Now to that mix we're gonna add two teaspoons of ground cinnamon. Oh, which I just spilled, of course, because I was taking off the sifter thing on the top. I, I hate them. I don't I just wish things weren't packaged like that. You're gonna cook them. You're not gonna sprinkle I guess if you if all you do with cinnamon is make cinnamon toast or use it on your oatmeal, then you want that sifter on there. But I spill every time I try to get one off because you can't get a measuring spoon in there. That's just one of my little soap boxes. Two teaspoons of cinnamon, and I'm not putting that thing back on here. This was a new jar. That's why it was an issue. Teaspoon of table salt. I just used the shaker that's on the top of my stove. Unscrew the lid. That's just easiest and always at hand. A teaspoon of ground ginger. That's just the dried stuff, powdered ginger. Half a teaspoon of the nutmeg. That goes in here also. You could grind your own if you want. I am just using some good old Penzi's ground nutmeg. Eighth of a teaspoon of ground cloves. You'll notice that that's just a tiny bit because cloves is a really strong flavor. If you get too much in your cake or in your pumpkin pie or whatever, your gingerbread cookies, you're going to really notice it. And it really wants to be a foundational supporting flavor, not an independent one. Right, now that those are all together, we are going to whisk them together so that they're all combined. At this point, we're going to get out the large bowl, and we're going to need at some point to put in the melted butter. So if you haven't already melted your unsalted butter, now's the time. You can easily do that in a saucepan on the stove. If you decide, as I always do, to do it in the microwave instead, just know that sometimes butter likes to explode when you microwave it, and it'll go all over your microwave. So do it with a lid over the top, just in case, and maybe do it at a little lower temperature than you think you want to, just to get it done fast. I'm going to do mine at 7. I wanted to do eight, but I won't. And I'm going to put it in there for a minute and a half, and we'll see what that does. So now, in this large bowl, we're going to dump the applesauce. I'm using an unsweetened applesauce for the same reason that I like to have my seasonings, when possible, not have salt in them. Because that way I can control how much salt, and with the applesauce, since it's not sweetened, I have control over how much sugar goes in instead of not having a clue how much the manufacturer thought to put in. Sweetened ones also often have cinnamon and stuff added. And again, I want to know how much I'm putting in, not have somebody else decide that they know what I want. So the applesauce mixture went into the larger bowl. And then we're going to put the melted butter in there. We're going to put in the sugar, the cup of brown sugar. Light or dark, whatever you have on hand. But be sure when you measure it that you pack it down so that it's tight in that cup. Put that in with the applesauce. Butter goes in. If you didn't already do that, I think you probably did. And then we're going to put in the eggs. Which, if you're smart smarter than I am. You will crack into a bowl first so you don't get any shell in your cake. I'm far too arrogant to do that, so they're going straight in. Now mind you, I have often regretted doing this. Let's see how I do today. Two eggs go in with the wet stuff. All right, good to go. All right, now we need either the same whisk or a different whisk. I think I'm going to use the same whisk. We're going to munge all that up in the, the wet stuff together. Just whisk it together. Oh, I forgot the vanilla. We want to put the vanilla in. That's important. Tablespoon. Get that in there, too. Wow, yeah. So nice.
2: All right. Whisking now. This is only going to take a second.
1: get that all combined. Then we're gonna dump the dry stuff, that flour mixture, into the wet stuff and mix them together. You can use the whisk again, you can use a spatula. I'm using the whisk. I may regret that because, you know, whisks get that stuff caught in the middle and then you have to use a spatula anyway (laughs) to get it out of there. I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed I'm sure I used a spoon the last time I did this this is the cake all done we're done with it now get that whisk out of there and get as much of this stuff out of the whisk as you can and here's where you need your spatula and we're just pouring this into remember a 13 by 9 inch pan that has been sprayed with cooking spray Or I suppose you could use a non-stick one if you happen to have that. You can see that the baking soda and the baking powder are having a reaction and making this kind of puffy so it's a little thick. Once you get that bowl all cleaned out just spread your batter around in the cake pan until it's kind of level.
2: And then that is going into
1: your preheated 350 degree oven where it's gonna sit for 30, maybe 35 minutes. You're gonna test that by sticking a toothpick in it. And when the toothpick comes out clean, you're gonna take it out of the oven. And like I said, that should be around a half an hour, could be a few minutes later. When you take it out, put it onto a wire rack to cool. In order to not have that frosting, excuse me, icing melt, we have to let the cake cool completely. So after you get it on that wire rack, you're going to let it just sit there for about two hours. And if you want to, at about an hour and a half, you can come back to me and we'll make the icing. Okay, the cake is cool. Time to make my favorite part. So, as a reminder, for making the icing here, you need a medium saucepan and a whisk. I am using a nonstick pan just because I think it's, I don't know, because I like it, okay? And that means I have to use a special whisk so that I don't scratch up my pan. You want it kind of, well, mine is like two and a half quarts, I think. And it probably doesn't have to be that big but enough to hold the brown sugar, which is going in there. That's the packed cup of brown sugar and the six tablespoons of unsalted butter, plus the quarter cup of heavy whipping cream. Measure that out and dump that in there as well. And here it's good to get a rubber spatula just because we're going to need one to stir it anyhow. And you can use that to get the the heavy cream out of the glass measuring cup because it will not come out by itself without some sort of assistance.
2: And then the salt, which
1: this time is a half a teaspoon. And what you have in there, of course, is essentially the makings of a kind of caramel or a caramel sauce. Now, before we heat this up, it's a really good idea for us to get everything else that's gonna go in here ready to go in. So we need three quarters of a cup of powdered sugar and we're supposed to sift it. So if you have a sifter, that's cool. What it means for me is putting a fine mesh sieve over the top of a mixing bowl and measuring in three quarters of a cup. Ah, okay, well, I now have powdered sugar all over my counter. And my kitchen floor. Fortunately, I have one of those robot vacuums. We call her the maid, and the maid works regularly in my kitchen. It's just a necessary thing. Oh boy, yeah. Well, so we're going to sort of tap on the side of the sieve and over the bowl, and then it sifts the sugar. We've done this before, and I'm sure you've seen other people do it too. I grew up with a sifter in my house that you had to, it was like a can with a handle and a screen at the bottom, and a little windmill thing, and you had to squeeze the handle. I know my grandmother, I think, had one that had a crank instead, and that had like a hoop that would rotate against the wire mesh and let it sift out into a bowl. I just decided that Mesh sieve has more uses. You know, it's not a one-use tool. Plus, it doesn't hurt my hand so much after a while. The squeezy one in particular that my mother had, you squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. It gets—it's like one of those exercise balls, and and uh, it's tiring after a bit. The powdered sugar's ready to go in, and that leaves just the vanilla, which I'm going to get out, but I'm not going to measure it yet. But I'm going to have it ready to go here with the half teaspoon measure and I'm going to reuse the one I just used for the salt. Now the other thing is if you don't have your pecans ready we're not going to start heating this frosting until they're ready because you're going to want to pour them over the frosting. They kind of go on the top and you want to do that while the frosting is still soft so that the nuts can kind of be patted down into it so they don't fall off. If you have just chopped ones you're going to need to toast them If you have whole ones, you're going to need to chop them and then toast them or the other way around. But if you have the package, just measure out your cup. All ready to go. And again, these are called unsalted, dry toasted pecan pieces. I've started using them in all kinds of things because it's easier than grinding up walnuts. And I like the fact that they're already toasted. Life is hard enough. Okay, now everything's ready to go for the frosting, and what we're going to do is turn the medium saucepan with the butter and sugar and cream in it and salt in it up to medium high, and we're going to watch it. We want to whisk it fairly often so that it doesn't burn. What we're waiting for is for the stuff all to melt, butter and the sugar need to melt, and then we're going to get large bubbles, so it's going to boil And when those start kind of popping, popping and bursting, then you're going to pull it off the heat and let it cool for 10 minutes. This first part, you can stir it the whole time if you want, and you can use a whisk or you can use that rubber spatula that we used earlier. Either way, you just don't want to leave it by itself where it might get into trouble. This is your child for the moment. Don't leave it unwatched or it might get into trouble. And all the flavor in this frosting, of course, really is coming from the brown sugar and a butter being a perfect complement to that. Okay, you know what? I am now ditching the whisk because the butter is too hard. And what happens is the butter gets caught in the middle of the whisk and just sits there and then it's nowhere near the bottom of the pan. So I'm going back to my spatula. I just have to get my whisk cleaned out. I don't want to lose stuff there. Oh, that's good enough. Okay. Okay, now I'm just back to stirring with my silicone spatula. Sugar, butter, and cream. Hard to go wrong. A little salt to brighten it all up. Medium high is, you want it between seven and eight, and eight is a little faster, and as long as you're watching it, that's okay. It should only take about three minutes or four minutes to get this stuff to the boiling stage. But you don't have to sit here with me while this happens. Again, what we're doing is stirring it, watching it so it doesn't burn. Everything's going to melt. It's going to come to a boil and big fat bubbles are going to start to burst on the top. When that happens, take it off the heat. Turn off your stove and set a timer for 10 minutes. And at that point, we're going to finish this up, but we don't want it super hot when we do. All right, we're in the last steps now. And this has to be done a little bit quickly, because what we want to do is be sure it gets on the cake before it gets too stiff to spread. And then it'll start making holes in the Cake. We don't want to have that. Okay. So first, we've got this pan full of melted butter and brown sugar and cream. And to that, we want to add the half teaspoon of vanilla extract. That can just, just get dumped right in. And then the sifted powdered sugar goes in. And I've got my whisk back at this point, and I'm whisking the sauce as I dump in the powdered sugar. And we're just going to whisk it until it turns into frosting. You want it smooth. So just whisk it until all the lumps of powdered sugar are gone. And you get this gorgeous caramel colored. Oh my God, it smells so amazing. It won't take much to get it, but you may have to put a little speed into your whisking in order to get it the way you want it. So pretty. All right, now back to the spatula. And spread this out over your cake. Just pour it on the cake. You can spread it in a minute. It's quite fluid still. Oh, man. It smells so good and it is beautiful. Honestly, it's just gorgeous to look at. Just scoop all that out of the pan and then sort of spread it around. You want it evenly distributed over this cake. And it's not going to be very thick. And that's okay. It's going to be plenty to please everybody's mouth when you serve it. There we go. I want to be sure I get everything out of this pan except the part I want to eat <laughs> with my finger. But I really want most of it on the cake. I do. I'll, I'll have enough here for just a taste. And the rest just needs to go on the cake. Ah. Oh. Gorgeous! It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. It's starting to wrinkle up because it's hardening as it sits here, which means it's time to grab the cup of toasted pecans. And obviously, you're just going to sprinkle those over the top of the cake. Now, there's quite a lot of pecans here. It's going to be a pretty heavy coating. It's not just a garnish, it's an actual topping. So get it over the whole cake. And then, once you don't have any bare spots left, take the palm of your hand and just very gently, really super gently, if you just want to lightly press those pecans down into the frosting. if you get yourself some frosting on your hand, what a shame that would be. Beautiful. Okay. That's it. you got your gorgeous cake there. You can serve it immediately, except it'll be better if you let that frosting... Sit and cool just a bit before you do so, so that it can get just a little bit harder than it is right now. Now, if you're looking for an apple flavored cake that's more of a snack cake or a breakfast slash coffee cake or lighter dessert, look for a recipe that I got from my mother in law called the Apple Chip Cake on my website, thecookalongpodcast.com. It is my number one most popular recipe. It's super easy. It takes very little time and it will solve any cravings you might have for something cinnamony and apples flavored. There is a picture of this gorgeous cake on thecookalongpodcast.com. You know you want to eat it. You can't help but love this cake. If you like caramel, if you like cinnamon, if you like brown sugar, if you like cons, if you like warm spices at all, this is for you, you and your friends and your family. Share it. Always, always share it. Go enjoy this or let it sit for a few minutes and serve it up for dessert tonight. And when somebody asks you where you got the recipe, tell them you heard it on the Cook Along podcast and suggest that they might like to go hear it as well because as you saw, this was not a difficult recipe. And once you taste it, you're going to want to make it over and over again. We will talk again next Saturday. And until next time, happy cooking!
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day
1: returns. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to ko ko-fi, ficom slash the podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.